Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Today, what I want to do for you guys, and I want to explain a little bit about a recent trip that I did to Prague via Costa Rica, via Germany, and then on the way back, Turkey, Cuba, and then back to Panama. was quite an adventure, and hopefully there will be some good lessons in this one for you on what to do and what not to do. I will jump right in. But before we actually do that, I just wanted to mention to you guys that we are doing a big push for our email newsletter. We're actually running two different newsletters at the moment. You need to make sure that you're on both of them. So I do the newsletter at mikelthorup.com one. I have been doing that for nearly a decade now. I actually started that before I started at Expat Money. That's because I've had this newsletter for much longer than I've had Expat Money. So you guys can sign up for that by either going to mikelthorup.com or going to expatmoney.com by joining the newsletter, and you're going to actually get both of them. And the second newsletter that we're doing right now is the Expat Sunday Times, and that's coming out, well, on Sundays. And that's done by my staff, and we all work together all week on putting it together, and it has all the newest articles and videos and shorts and webinars and everything to catch you guys up on the biggest news from the expat world every single week. So actually, that one you can go to expatmoney.com and sign up for, and it'll automatically sign you up for the other one. So make sure you're on both of those. So let's dive in. So recently, I had a speaking engagement in Prague in the Czech Republic. Now, I usually fly to Europe via Turkey, but for some reason, it wouldn't work that way this time. So I actually had to fly from Panama to San Jose. Then I was several hours on ground in Costa Rica, and then I flew to Frankfurt. Now, when I got to Frankfurt, it was so random, okay? First of all, you have to enter the European Union, even though it's not your final destination. So we go through the immigration and all of those types of things. And then it's, I swear to God, about a 55-minute walk across the airport to find my gate. It took forever. And I'm super, super, super tired. So I walk all the way to one far, 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 far side of the airport. It's the very last gate. I get there. I've been rushing. I'm all sweaty. And they tell me, oh, it's an hour delay or 90 minutes delay. Okay, fine. So sit, wait, wait, wait. And then they're like, the aircraft hasn't arrived yet. The equipment hasn't arrived yet, is what they said. And I look out the window and I can see a perfectly good aircraft there. And they're like, no, 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 that's not it. 
Like, okay, fine. So when we actually go to check in, go through the gate, we actually go downstairs and then we get on a bus. And then the bus drives, I swear, 30 minutes back the way that I've walked that 55 minute. It goes in the exact opposite direction. So finally we get on there and finally we take off. Now I'm flying in business class and this sector is with Lufthansa. And I couldn't believe that they were passing this off as a business class. It was the exact same seats as economy class, but there was a placard at the front that said business class and there was a curtain in between. That was it. That's what I paid the extra money for, a placard. I was spewing at this point. But never mind, I got into Prague safe and sound and the flight was very short, I don't know, an hour or something like that. Landed before we knew it and I had a driver pick me up and take me to the hotel. Now, I stayed at the Gold Bank Hotel in Prague and I would say overall, I could recommend this hotel. The rooms are very small, but it was very clean, very nice. The staff were quite decent. The breakfast was awesome, but it was quite funny because everybody that I was talking to from the conference, they're all very like-minded to me and they're all like, oh, this is a Masonic hotel, a Masonic hotel. And I was like, how do you know? They said, well, the Wi-Fi password is 333-666-9999. And so that means that this was a Masonic hotel. So everybody was super, super pissed and very weirded out by the whole thing. I have no idea if that's true or not. But when I got there, I actually got into Prague a couple of days before the conference. So I went out to meet my friend Alex Voss. We had drinks together and got to hang out for a little bit. Alex, his girlfriend and me, we sat and had a few beers and chat, chat, chat. One of the days I went to the shareholder meeting for Tipolis. I was invited for that. That was quite good to learn about what's going on and to meet the other shareholders from Tipolis. And you guys will hear in future episodes and in the email newsletter what I'm doing with them. But I've been asked to step up on the advisory council for Tipolis, which is the for-profit business of building international cities around the world. So it's quite an important one, and I'm really excited to be doing the work with them. It's going to be a lot of fun. I also sit on the Ambassador Council for the Free Cities Foundation. So between those two things, they have me pretty busy. After that, I went and had dinner with my friend Chris Broholm, who's been on the podcast of episode 148. He's a very dear friend of mine. I've been working with him for years and years. He came to the birthday party last year. Maybe some of you guys met him. He's actually been over here to Panama to visit me two or three times, I would say. And I might as well do a few other shout outs while I'm at it. So Tobias Ruck, who has been on the podcast for episode 188, we talked about the future of privacy coins. I got to hang out with him for a little bit. Ott Vater is another friend of mine. He was on the podcast on episode 86. He was talking about e-residency in Estonia. I actually found out he's no longer working in Estonia. Actually, I knew that, but I didn't know what he was doing. So we got to hang out with him that week. I got to hang out with my friend Vit Yadalika, president of Liberland. He was on the program for episode 159. Daniel Prince, is a really good friend of mine. I sat with him and his wife and his kids for dinner one night. We talked for about five hours straight. Super, super cool guy. He was on the podcast episode 98, way back in 98, talking about Love Home Swap. Sven Lawrence, who's been over here to visit me multiple times in Panama, got to spend time with him in person again. He was on the podcast in episode 179. He's been on our YouTube channel five or six times as well. We've done events together and conferences and, and speaking slots. He always speaks at my events at the summit every year. 
he's a super cool guy. And then I didn't even know that my friend Ladislas Maurice was going to be at the conference. He was back on episode 91. I spent Christmas with Ladislas a couple of years ago. He came over to the house for Christmas. He's come over to visit me a few other times. So he's a really, really cool guy also. And then the event was actually put on by Peter Young, and I've spoke with him on the podcast on episode 192. He, I was also on the Bitcoin standard while he was co-hosting it. So it was good to speak with him and spend time with him again. I got to have breakfast one day. And then Chad Alwertowski, who's my neighbor here in Panama, and we've been friends for, I don't know, four or five years. We've traveled around together and his wife and my wife are friends. So he came on the podcast on episode 90, where we talked about seasteading. And then my friend Mark Edge was there. He has an amazing libertarian radio show. So it was cool to spend time with him. Actually, I could probably keep going with shout outs for all the friends and people that I got to hang out with. But those are just some of the people who have been on my podcast. So feel free to go back and listen to those. Now, the conference itself was fantastic. They did a really, really good job. The conference is called Liberty in Our Lifetimes. I highly suggest people check it out for 2024. I've actually already been invited to come back as a speaker next year by Titus. So that should be really good. Hopefully, they're going to choose a new city because I always like going to new places. Prague was actually a new city for me, believe it or not. But there was probably about 400 people in attendance at the conference, and I don't know how many people online. So it was quite a big event. And the stage was really nice, and the AV team, the the audio video team, did a fantastic job. Massive shout out to the guys there. They really did a super professional job, so I was stoked about that. The vendors were very interesting and very relevant, so there was lots of cool things. I picked up some new books. I got some things signed, got some business cards and got to meet all the other vendors there. It's always good to support the vendors because without them, then the conference can't go on. Just like our summit, make sure you support all of our vendors and sponsors and speakers. Otherwise, it's impossible to put on these types of things. Trust me, I know. Now, the conference was Saturday and Sunday, and I had nothing on Saturday, but I had two speaking slots on Sunday. So one of my talks was called Opportunity Arbitrage, How Expat Families Can Leverage the Offshore Markets to Grow Their Human Capital. And I was also on a panel discussion. So it was really, really nice. I got some good pictures and I got some really good feedback from everybody about it. And it was really interesting because you've got this huge group of people who are doing the philosophical side of why we need to move to another country, the philosophical side of creating a free city or an international city or charter city. And then you had another group, a giant circle of people talking about the technical side, the engineering and the architecture and and how we're going to make all of these things work for a free city. But I thought it was very interesting. There was nobody there talking about the emotional side of moving to another country. So that's what I decided to talk about. I decided to talk about families and then how this is an opportunity for us to grow to another country. And I went through a bunch of examples in my life, as well as some examples from my clients that I've worked with, it was good. I think that people really enjoyed it. I think it was kind of good to balance things out a little bit. The panel discussion was also really good. I got to sit with a couple of my colleagues there. So we had some fun and we got to go back and forth. We're all very like-minded on these things. And I think in most cases, we were pretty much in agreement on things. I had a couple of different points on it, but I, I, I think it was all in good fun and we're definitely on the same team. So it was good to get input from some of my friends like Pavel and some of the other guys there. I actually had a chance to watch a lot of the presentations at the conference as well, and they were really, really high caliber. So I was really excited 
to get to watch some of those. Sometimes it can be difficult when you're a speaker because you kind of get mobbed by people wanting to ask lots of questions. But because I didn't speak on Saturday, not everybody knew who I was, so I could kind of blend in a little bit and got a chance to watch. But by the time I did my two presentations on Sunday, that was it. I was just, I was in the, the hallway the entire day answering questions and talking to people. But that's cool. I love meeting everybody and it was so fantastic to be able to spend some time with people. And I met a bunch of really cool guys from Germany and got to speak with them. I met a young man from Holland who was really, really nice. And we probably spoke for about half an hour and he was asking lots of questions about his future. So it was cool not just to speak to people who are colleagues of mine, but people who are kind of starting their careers as well. So I was really excited. We went to the VIP dinner, which was amazing and got to raise a bunch of money for the Free Cities Foundation. I definitely support the work that they're doing. It's really, really important they're the ones who are actually putting on the Liberty in Our Lifetime conference, so have to show them lots of love. So that's a little bit about the conference. Now, here's where kind of the drama starts after I left the conference. The conference was fantastic. Everything went perfect there. No drama there. But the, <laughs> the drama started when I went to leave Prague and head to Istanbul. I had meetings in Istanbul, so I was supposed to be there for 24 hours. So what happened was I checked in on time. I checked my bag. I went through security. I went through everything. I'm waiting in the business class lounge and it's not turning over on the screen, not turning over, not turning over. You know, usually it says boarding now or whatever. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go just in case. So I get down there and everybody's lined up, but they're not letting people on the airplane. So I sit down at a cafe, just relaxing. I can watch and like 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour goes by and nothing. So I go up to the front desk and I'm like, what's happening? They said, oh, it's been delayed. I'm like, oh, okay. I have a connecting flight. I'm actually going to Istanbul. Actually, this flight was going to Warsaw and then Warsaw to Istanbul. And I was like, okay, so if I miss my flight in Warsaw to to Istanbul, what happens? And they're like, well, we don't know, but not if you miss your connecting flight, you will miss your connecting flight, or you already have missed your connecting flight. I'm like, well, what do I do? They're like, I don't know, get another flight. I'm like, okay, fine. So they tell me where to go, and I go downstairs, and they, they basically offload me from the flight. So I go and I, I go to grab my bag, but there's no one there to get the bags. So I'm waiting around for like 20 minutes and trying to talk to people. And I don't speak Czech at all. I mean, as I said, it was my first time in Prague, so I really don't know any Czech. The guy doesn't speak any English or Spanish or any of the other bits and bobs of languages that I speak. So Google Translate our way through it. And he says it's going to be quite a while. So I'm like, okay, I had seen on the board that there was actually direct flights from Prague to Istanbul with Turkish Airlines. And I know that Polish Airlines and Turkish Airlines are both Star Alliance. So I'm like, okay, maybe they'll let me transfer my flight to there. So while we're waiting for the bags, I, I talked to them and they said, well, you can go and get your ticket. And then by the time you have your ticket, you can come back and get your bag. I'm like, okay, sounds solid. Let's go. So I go to the info counter and they send me over to Terminal 2, which is like, a solid 10 minute walk. So I quickly speed walk my way over there, get over there and I talk to the office and they said, no, it's terminal one. I'm like, okay, wonderful, thank you. So I turn around and I go back the way that I came and I run back, it's another 10 minutes. And by this point I'm like, okay, it's been 20 minutes. I might as well go get my bag. So I go to get the bag and, and it's, it's airside and I'm now not airside. So I have to not really go through security, but like kind of a makeshift security and then claim my bag. But it took another 10, 15 minutes to get the bag. So I run back to 
Terminal 1, get my bag, and I still waited 10 minutes or 15 minutes for my bag. And I go upstairs to Terminal 1 and I talk to them, and they said they can only get me back on the Polish airlines and couldn't look at the Turkish airlines, even though it's on their sign, like it's literally right there on the sign. So they send me back to Terminal 2 again to the ticket desk, and I directly booked the flight with one of the agents there. But it's another 10 minutes all the way over there, and now this time I've got my bags with me. But he tells me I've now missed the 9.30 a.m. flight in Turkish Airlines because this is all first thing in the morning, and the next one is at 4 p.m. for $400 in economy class or 2 p.m. for $800 in economy class. This is like a one-hour flight. Like, oh my goodness. So I run back to Terminal 1 again with all of my bags to the desk and they put me on a second Polish Airlines flight, but I'm downgraded to economy class. So I got to use my original ticket. It didn't cost me any extra, but they downgraded me and I got on to the next flight. For those interested in moving to another country, I highly recommend learning the local language before you arrive. After traveling for the last 23 years straight, I have seen many people fall into the expat bubble trap. This is where you move to a new country and you only talk to people from the USA or Canada and you are unable to make local friends. The best way to combat this is by having an understanding of the local language. And the best program I have ever seen for this is storylearningcourses.com. These are the programs I use to go from very crummy language skills to fluent in no time flat. The courses are fun and easy to understand and most importantly, really work. No matter where you are in your language learning abilities, go to storylearningcourses.com. That's storylearningcourses.com to learn more. Now, they didn't even tell me when they offloaded me originally that there was going to be additional flights to Istanbul from Warsaw. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten offloaded. I would have just stayed there. But I really had to make this flight to Istanbul because of the meetings that I had set up and there was just no way to postpone them. I actually thought I was going to miss the entire trip to Istanbul. So then I have to do security all over again and customs and everything like that. And I'm now on the other side of the airport. I'm sweating and I'm exhausted. It's like 30 minutes before departure. And I ask the woman at the gate. I, I finally, finally, finally get to the gate. And I ask her about boarding because there's no one around. And she legit yells at me <laughs> and tells me to wait until the other passengers have disembarked. Like I am the stupidest person in the world and so impatient. And she just like glares at me and gives me dagger eyes. I've like literally just arrived after all of this drama and been running around the airport. But eventually I get on the airplane and I get to go to Warsaw and then from Warsaw to Istanbul. Now, once I get into Warsaw, I've got to wait, I think a couple of hours there. But I still had access to the business class lounge because I'm a Priority Pass member. Always have to have Priority Pass just in case. But the flights were uneventful. Finally, I got into Istanbul. I was absolutely shattered. So I just grabbed some food at this point because it was basically a full day of travel and I got some sleep. Now, the next morning, I got a chance to meet my lawyer. I had some meetings with her and then we went to the Canadian Embassy. I had to do a sworn affidavit. You guys will know what that is about if you go back and listen to my episode on Turkey, basically some immigration stuff. So I had to do a signed affidavit at the Canadian embassy for the Turkish government on a bunch of drama, drama. 
And then we went and had brunch on the Bosphorus, and it was kind of finished by mid-morning. It was absolutely stunning day. We were right on the water, just hanging out, talking, talking, talking. Hopefully, I'll be doing a bunch more work in the future. So she was helping me to map out some events and conferences and investors tours that I want to do with my hub members and private clients probably in 2024. So she would be the one that I would work with on that and she was helping me through all that. So we mapped it all out. Then I worked all day on the computer for about 10 hours, just answering emails and going through things and just a bunch of paperwork and private client work. And you know what? By the end of the day, I just could not be bothered to go out and get dinner before my flight because I was leaving at midnight. I actually booked two nights at the hotel even though I was living at midnight. And then I thought, you know what? I'll get a bit of a nap. But I tossed and turned and I couldn't sleep. So I thought, never mind. I haven't eaten. I haven't slept. I've been at it all day long. I can't even see straight. Never mind. I'm going to get to Turkish airport. I'm going to go straight to the business class lounge. I'm going to have a full meal. I'm going to get on board and I'll put my head down and sleep as soon as we take off. But I take the transport there. They drop me off. I go to the business class check-in and they do not have a ticket for me. I'm like, what? (laughs) Excuse me. Where's my ticket? They have no idea. I am not registered in their system, and the flight is full. The flight is actually supposed to go to Havana, and I'll get to Havana in a a moment why I went there. But it's supposed to go to Havana with Turkish Airlines, then I swap, and then I'm, I'm there for half a day, and then I go on with Copa Airlines. But no one knows what's going on. I show them the ticket number. They're like, we don't have it. And there's like four different girls there and they're all useless and super rude. So unfriendly, I could not believe it. Finally, I found one gentleman who worked for Turkish Airlines and he was amazing. He was really, really helpful and talked to me and explained what was going on. We got my assistant in Panama to try to figure things out. My wife, my mother, my assistant, all trying to help out, figure out what's going on. They're calling Copa Airlines, which was the original airline that I had bought because I used Copa, then Lufthansa, then Polish Air, and then Turkish Airlines, and then Copa again. So I had this multi-sector. And we finally figured out after about an hour, hour and a half, and I mean, time is now ticking, like we're getting really close to takeoff, that the flight got canceled because they offloaded me from that Warsaw flight, even though I still use the ticket, they're like, yeah, you were a no-show for your flight. I was like, excuse me, that's not true. I showed up for my flight. They offloaded me because the flight was delayed and they wanted me to get a different way to Istanbul because I had to be in Istanbul. So it ended up screwing up everything. So multi-sector flights, be super, super careful. If there's any problems with the flight, things like this can happen. So at this point, it's about 45 minutes before takeoff and the check-in gate is closing. Like I think technically it had closed about five minutes before. So we finally figured out what was happened. So the ticket was gone. So I had to pull out my credit card and buy a new business class ticket one way from Istanbul to Havana, which was stupid, stupid expensive. And I ended up actually buying the seat that I had already had a ticket for, but now at twice the price or three times the price of what I had paid before. And then my wife is going through and she's getting me a flight on Copa Airlines from Havana to Panama. And I just get it in time. Thank God. And and you'll find out in a little bit why. But basically, there's no connection with my international SIM card in Cuba. So 
I have to now run through security and customs and everything like that. And then, of course, the gate is the very, very, very last one of the airport. If you guys have ever been to Istanbul, Istanbul Airport, you will know it is absolutely monstrous. It is so, so big. So I'm running, like sprinting with my bags for a solid 15, 20 minutes to get to my gate there. And I get in board just in time. Now, at this point, I still haven't slept. I haven't eaten anything because I missed the business class lounge and they don't serve dinner for about two hours until takeoff. So this taught me once again, a lesson that I already knew very, very well. And I have no one to blame but myself is that I should have eaten and I should have slept before the flight. But anyways, the flight was very nice. The staff on board took very good care of me. I must have looked quite disheveled by that moment, but I had a nice meal on board, lying flat bed, slept the whole way got up, had a double espresso, and then I got into Cuba. Now, if you thought that was a lot of drama, wait till you hear about Cuba. (laughs) So I come off the aircraft and I'm heading to passport control because I have a separate ticket now. I no longer have a multi-sector ticket. So now I actually have to grab my bags because usually your bags are just checked onwards and I was just going to go through quickly. But now I need to do a health declaration. And I was like, what is it? Like 2021, I have to do a COVID health declaration. It's not paper. It has to be done on your phone. And I'm like, okay. So I try to make my international SIM card work and it will not work in Cuba no matter what. I'm trying, trying, trying. And by the time I arrive at this health declaration, I'm like the first person there because I'm always the first person off the aircraft. I hate waiting and I'm super fast. But by the time I actually figure out how to get into the internet with their local provider, I had to find someone that was going to help me. They logged me in. There must be about 300, 400 people behind me. I was like, holy moly. So it takes about 15 minutes or so to fill this out. I show that to them. Now they let me up to immigration. But we get up to passport control and they want a visa for me to enter Cuba. I'm like, Canadians don't need a visa to Cuba. He's like, yes, they do. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, you need a visa. I'm totally surprised. Like who knew that Canadians were going to need a visa? This is one of the biggest tourist destination. So I end up basically arguing with him. Like I, I don't suggest arguing with immigration or police officers or these types of people, but I'm don't know what else to do. So I explained the whole situation now of what I just went through in Istanbul and how this happened. I had to get a new sector and I'm only here for a couple of hours or for half a day. And then I'm going on to Panama and I show him my sedula, my residency card in Panama and all of these types of things. And he's just looking at me and he's finally like, all right, just go, just go. Like, He just gives up. Now, thank God I speak Spanish. Otherwise, I would have absolutely been screwed at this point because there's no way I would have found someone who spoke English there. So I had to basically argue with him for 15 minutes in Spanish to get through immigration. And the funny thing was he didn't even stamp my passport. He's just like, he just kind of threw his hands up in the air and he's like, fine just go. He gave me the passport back. He didn't stamp it. And I just went through. I'm like, all right, I'm not arguing anymore. I just went. By this point, now we need to do a security check. And if I had been allowed in at the first, it would have been super easy and straight through. But now I'm like in the middle of 300 Cubans coming home. I don't know what flight had landed, but probably 
I don't know, something from the U.S. So it was all these Cubans coming through and there's just security everywhere. You actually have to do not just your bags, like this is not like a customs check. You actually have to take your belt off and your watch off and your phone and everything like that. Now, this is not to get on an airplane. This is to enter the country, okay? This is to get off of the airplane. We've already entered the country through immigration. I'm not going back in. So this is a completely separate one. But anyways, I get through that. I collect the bag. I use the restroom before grabbing my bag and it was just vile. But anyways, so I grab my bag and then I go through customs. Now the bag had been sitting there because it took me so long to go through all this process. The The belt had actually stopped moving. You know you've been taking a long time when the belt is no longer moving and you're the last person to go through. But I go through customs, green line, and then there's another woman who wants to check there and she wants to see the paperwork and not sure what this is for. So we just kind of like blunder my way through it. But finally we get that one. Then I talk to another woman. Then there's another woman who wants to check my bags. She doesn't explain what hers is for. And then there's another woman who wants to see the boarding card and a baggage check and to see if the bags were with mine. So finally, after all of these checks, immigration and custom and baggage and security and then baggage again and then baggage again and then this, it was like six different people I had to go through to get into Cuba. I was like, holy mother of God, I'm here for a few hours. I just want to buy some cigars and then leave, please. So after I did all of this, I turned around and I went back into the airport. By this point, I've already wasted so much time. So now I need to go to check in for my next flight. So I have to go through security and immigrations and customs and all of these things again, but now to leave Cuba. Now, when I go to leave, I don't have this special paper that I guess is provided by the hotel. I'm not exactly sure what it was because, I mean, my Spanish is quite good, but I didn't quite understand it. But they wanted some paper from my hotel where I had been staying. And I tried to explain to them, I haven't been staying. I just got off an airplane. I had to collect my bag. I'm only here for a half a day. And so, and then they want to see the stamp in my passport, which the guy didn't give me from before. So then I have to explain to the immigration about all of that. So I'm at customs and immigration, all of this for I don't know how long again. But finally, I go through, I am now airside again, and I go straight to the cigar shop because I'm actually in tomorrow morning flying to Uruguay. I'll talk about this in a minute, but I'm flying to Uruguay and I'm going to be meeting some friends of mine like Doug Casey and a bunch of other people. And I promised them that I would bring them some cigars. So I decided to actually do my flight home. Instead of going direct, I thought I would go straight into Cuba and buy cigars directly for them. So I went in. The woman there was amazing. She was actually super, super sweet. She helped me for probably about half an hour, go through the different ones because Doug really likes to smoke Cohiba Esplandidos and they didn't have them. So we were trying to go back and forth, like what other kinds are very similar? What about this type of Cohiba? Or what about Monte Cristos? What about Romeo and Julietas? What about these different ones? So she's talking to me about the flavors and everything, but I end up buying, I don't know, well over a thousand dollars worth of cigars there in Cuba and then wait for my flight to take off. Now, in Cuba, there is no business class lounge, but there is one paid lounge there, and it looked like it had not been updated since the 1970s. So I opted out of paying for that because it looked almost worse than the rest of the airport, believe it or not. It was like this really, like, pleather sofas that were all cracked. It looked like it belonged in someone's basement from the 1970s with some shag carpet or something. It was absolutely horrid. 
I think the airport in Cuba is maybe not the worst one I've ever been to. I've been to some pretty bad ones in Africa before, but this was not pretty. And you can really see, like, I mean, communism. God, doesn't work at all. Please, everybody, give up communism and socialism. Let's do free market. And when I went to the washroom, it was so gross. There was like literally cockroaches walking around in the middle of the day. They didn't even have liquid soap. I know I am just having a giant whinge about all of this, but they didn't even have liquid soap there. They had this mangy looking green soap bar. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to touch that. I'm not sure what is worse here. But eventually I got on board, got to fly back. Copa Airlines, Copa is not the best airline in the world, but they're pretty solid. They do what they say they're going to do. Their airplanes are not super fancy, but they're all right. I had a pretty nice seat in business class 1A. I always like to sit 1A or 1B or something like that so I can be the first one off the airplane. But it wasn't too long of a flight. Crew was nice enough. And then I got back into Panama. Easy peasy going through Panama immigration and customs and everything. Probably through in about, probably about 25 minutes through the whole process. Their new terminal in Panama is phenomenal. Really, really, really good. They've got tons of people that work at immigration. Really straightforward. Everything is clearly marked. They actually have enough staff. So big fan of the new terminal in Panama. It's very, very modern. And so then I got in, got to hang out with my kids for a few hours that night, spend some time with my wife. And then the next next day was nine hours of consulting calls and straight back at it. So no time to be jet lagged, no time to relax or to catch my breath or anything like that. Straight, straight, straight back to work. And really that's how it's been since I got back last week. I have just been go, go, go nonstop. I actually, I think it's been probably about two weeks I've been back and I think I've been doing nine, 10 hours of consulting calls every single day, even doing consulting calls at night at the moment, even doing consulting calls on the weekend because there's just so many people fleeing Canada and the United States. Actually, I have a new New Zealand client and two or three three, I think I have three new Australian clients as well. So sometimes I need to do late night calls with them or early morning calls because of the time differences. But so many people that we're helping at the moment because it's just an absolute mess around the world. And we're just moving them to all kinds of new countries, getting them out of these abusive relationships they have with their government, legally reducing their tax bill. If you guys want to find out more about the consulting services, you can actually go to expatmoney.com. And in the top right, hand corner, you will see a big orange button that says work with us. You can read the letter on your computer, not on a phone, on a computer, go through that. And there's an application form at the bottom of it. So that's it. That is a little bit about my story. And I went through it pretty, pretty fast. I actually have to go because in 20 four minutes from now, I have dinner with my clients. We are starting our Uruguay trip tonight. So I'm taking everybody out. There's, I think, with the staff and everything, with my helpers, I think there's about 31 or 32 of us going down to Uruguay. So I have to get ready. I'm going to take a quick shower, get dressed, go meet everybody for dinner. Then I take everybody to the airport tomorrow. We fly down as a group. Then as soon as we get into Montevideo, we spend one night there. And then we're off to Punta del Este for a week. We do conference material in the morning. We do field trips in the afternoon. And then barbecues and bottles of Tanat, some nice red wine, and build the relationship and everything like that. Hopefully, I'll get to see a bunch of my friends and do a handover with these cigars and share a rum with my buddies down in Uruguay. That should be good. And that's it. I hope you guys have an amazing week and I will talk to you guys next Wednesday, 6 a.m. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Make sure you subscribe at expatmoney.com. Have a great day.
Super exciting news. We just released our first in a series of expat guidebooks. These are in-depth country guides on how to move to another country, and the first one released is Expat's Guide on Moving to Mexico. It took us over two years to compile all the research and write this book on Mexico, and coming in at 475 pages, you can really see how much work has gone into this. It's a complete guide on everything you need to know if you want to move to Mexico, including where to live, immigration, taxes, lifestyle, buying property, how to get a driver's license, and a million other things you would never think you need the answers to. You can find the book directly on Amazon by searching for Expat's Guide on Moving to Mexico or go to expatguidebooks.com, which will take you to our online shop where you will find the book. Go to expatguidebooks.com. That's expatguidebooks.com. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern time, go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.